Are you ready to take your accounting career to new heights? Look no further. You're listening to From Zero to Millions, Accounting Edition. I'm Kelly Roars. And I'm Bilal Mihana. Together, we bring you treasure trove of expertise in the world of accounting. As the founders of our own firms, we truly understand the challenges you face day in and day out. Our combined experience with small and online businesses, paired with our background in accounting and entrepreneurship, is sure to help you bring your firm to the next level. Together, we'll deep dive into essential topics like staffing, technology, billing, goal setting, HR, and tax planning. We're here to provide practical advice that applies to CPAs, accountants, and business owners alike. So don't miss out on the opportunity to supercharge your accounting career and build the firm of your dreams. Welcome to this week's episode of From Zero to Millions Accounting Edition. On this week's episode, we have Mike Mena. He is a CPA and a visual thinker artist who is here today to tell us a little bit about his background and his journey through public accounting and private industry and how he supports the industry in general. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, very excited to be here. Great to meet you, Kelly and Bilal. You guys are putting out a lot of really cool stuff and have had some great guests on the podcast. So excited to be here talking to you too and, and your audience. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So, Mike, you've had the pleasure of working at a top 10 firm, big four, multiple private positions, and now you've been at Google for almost seven years. And the point of our podcast is really to help other CPAs on their journey, inspire people to be happy about the industry, right? Because I think Bilal and I see that there's nothing but opportunity, but people just like to complain a lot about public accounting. And this is a very unique time. And we'd love to hear a little bit about your journey, and then we can talk about your support. Yeah, yeah, let's let's get into it. Uh, again, I'm Mike Manilak. I'm a CPA. I'm a manager on Google's finance team. Specifically, the team is called Business Finance Accounting. For all intents and purposes, it's a revenue accounting team supporting Google Ads products. And for any of the listeners who, who don't know, which is probably no one, most of Google's revenue is from ads. So I specifically work on Google search and YouTube ads there and specifically working on the contracts and the deals that we make with our top advertisers. Think of like Disney or Procter and Gamble, Johnson and Johnson along those lines and trying to get them to grow their investment with Google and then make that mutually beneficial, providing incentive packages for them in the form of discounts or free impressions on their next campaign. So that's my role at Google. And then prior to that, kind of rewinding a little bit, I'm from the East Coast, from Baltimore. Maybe you'll see my Ravens in the uh, Super Bowl here in, in a month or so. But I think Kelly mentioned like top 10. I think they go between 10 and 20, but Cohen Resnick, top 20 firm. I was on the audit side of the house, so that probably resonates with a, a lot of your listeners mainly working on financial services clients and, and real estate clients as well. From there, I made the move over to Big Four with PwC and, and was doing similar work in audit, just with bigger clients, publicly traded clients. From there, I made the move over to industry. I really wanted to learn from the best, and in my mind, what I thought was the best, and looked at the Fortune 500 and went to the top of the list and 
was fortunate to land an internal financial reporting role with Walmart as part of their internal financial reporting team for their e-commerce side of the business. So I owned the P&L and the balance sheet for walmart.com. And that was a really fun time. They were really just starting to go toe to toe with Amazon in the e-commerce space. So I was part of the launch of their first prime competitor. It was called Shipping Test. This is back in 2017, but very fun time to be there. And then at that point, I had shifted over to Google, which was at the time my dream job. It still is today. And I've been there a little over six years, I think something like that. It's been great. I've been on the same team and sort of playing a little bit different roles along the way. And then right before the pandemic in 2019, we opened a finance hub in the Chicago office in the West Loop. So I was the only crazy one to raise my hand in California to say, I'll go to Chicago. So moved over to Chicago and have been growing the team here for the last few years. That's a little bit about my journey. And then just real quick, off the clock, I run a website, MikeFromAccounting.com. I try to highlight a lot of the fun and fulfilling side of the profession. I feel like there's a lot of maybe negativity. There's a big image problem in the profession that's probably not new to anyone who knows accounting. And it doesn't have to be. There is a lot of opportunity like you and Bilal were just hitting on there. So I write a lot of articles with a lighthearted vibe to it, illustrate them myself, just to have some fun with it, try to be lighthearted, but also informative. And then I put out a playbook called No Flux Given, and that's all about how to land the accounting job of your dreams. I'm just launching now a, a course called Sketchy Business Practices, which is all about really thriving in this new work environment that's been disrupted by AI and hybrid work. All touching on the same stuff, the fun side of accounting, how to get the competitive advantage so that you can land the dream job, and then future-proofing your career and things like that. So that's a little bit about me. I'm happy to take this any other direction you guys want, but hopefully that was a helpful intro on my end. Great, man. Nice. You have, like Kelly said, with your background in industry and public accounting, you're doing it a unique way where you're not starting your own firm, but you're doing side hustles, different type of streams of revenue, and you're doing it in a fun way. Tell us about what made you start the No Flux Given book. Why would you start writing a book? What was your approach? Why was it necessary to write that book? Did the law accountants not find their dream job, but they have a difficulty finding dream jobs that they want to find? And what's the journey that accountants were taking and with your kind of eyes? make it better. Yeah. It's probably not news to most people, but going back to college, if we all think back to college, we're all pretty much pushed into public accounting. There's not really talk about industry opportunities or doing like your own firm. Nobody's talking about that. So when I was looking to leave public accounting, I think I did close to a decade in audit and I was looking to transition out. I was looking for resources. Is there anything out there of how to get into industry? And I didn't really want the lackluster industry job where, yeah, maybe it's more work-life balance, but the work is boring. I wanted it all. I wanted the pay. I wanted exciting work and I wanted the work-life balance. And I think once you hit on all three, you're approaching that dream job territory. And there was really no resources out there for accountants for that. I think everyone has to wing it. And I didn't have that back then. And that was a gap that I thought I would try to fill. Uh, initially, there's a course, well, not a course, but the, the Bean accountant, the guy who has Corvi, what's his name? The Corvi software. Is it Andrew? Andrew, long time ago, when he first left his public accounting position, he started something similar to yours, but land your big four job. 
Oh, okay. So he was focused on more public accounting, how to land your big four job out of school. But yeah, so nobody talks about how to land your dream job outside of public accounting, which is another uniqueness you bring to the table. Yeah. And even the, the big four thing, it is really hard to get into big four, right? I actually got in after already having experience in audit. Maybe it was a little bit easier, but that's another thing in college, like big four is, is propped yeah. up. They're pretty much idolized. So it doesn't shock me that there was something out there of how to get into big four, but there definitely wasn't something of how to land the dream job in the industry side. And so I did it myself. Failed a lot along the way and went through pretty much all the big names in Silicon Valley before finally realizing, coming up with a good method, a good approach and system to actually get some consistent results and land the interviews and get to the final rounds and get multiple offers. But that took time. And then after I did that, I thought, you know, I'll slap something together because I was getting a lot of questions. How did you do that? So I figured out I'll put something out there and, and maybe it helps somebody so that when they go looking for it, they have that. When I, I didn't have it back in the day, but if it can help somebody today, hey, that's great. So based on your LinkedIn profile, you worked at Cohen Resnick in Baltimore, but when you went to PwC, it was in, in the Bay Area. Did that help you get the Google job? If you are a PwC in Baltimore, would you get that Google job in the Bay Area? What I'm trying to say is that do you have to be in the locations where your dream job is going to be? Because I know a lot of industry companies recruit from public accounting. Like in Detroit, it's easier to get to a GM job through Deloitte or DEY or PwC than if you were in, let's say, in Missouri, Deloitte. Yeah, and that was my line of thinking too below because I was looking for jobs in Baltimore too. That's my hometown. But if I took location out of it and said, what are the dream jobs, the jobs I would really want, for some reason, they were all located in the Bay Area. And Baltimore, unfortunately, doesn't have any H Fortune 500s. And I wasn't getting the traction I thought I would get. That's where I thought, you know what, if I'm local and I'm in the Bay Area, my chances are going to be better. I can show up. Now, fast forward to today, you might be able to get those remote positions, but that's probably a whole separate topic. They're pretty hard to get to. And you've pretty much had to really prove yourself if a big name company is going to give you a remote role. I would imagine most people coming straight out of public aren't going to get a, a remote role at any like top company without industry experience beforehand. So yes, it definitely helped me. That was a big sacrifice. I don't know if either of you guys have ever moved around, but it's almost the opposite side of the country moving to San Francisco. So yeah, it was definitely a sacrifice, but I think that was instrumental in being able to hit the ground and do those interviews. A lot of those big tech companies are all located like within blocks from each other. And these is the tech capital of the world. And if you go a little further down into Silicon Valley, it, that's all that there is there. Mm -hmm. So it definitely helped being local. I feel like there's so many things that I want to say, which is usually what happens here, but just to generalize, in the accounting industry right now, I feel like we're getting such a bad rep in the public eye. Everybody's seen the Wall Street Journal article that came out a couple months ago that was like, oh, public accounting is painful. Nobody wants to be a tax preparer. Nobody wants to enter the industry. Everybody's underpaid. And then last week, there was a Yahoo article 
that basically came out that said, you need to raise your fees. Tax prep is more expensive this year because nobody wants to do it. And again, everybody's a miserable accountant, which of course we know is not true. Not everybody is miserable. Yes, working in public accounting is not easy, but it is what you make of it. So you've gone down your route. Bilal and I have gone down ours. Everybody has a different background. But I feel like there's a lot of discussion around what big four is doing because they're having problems, right? What the small firm is doing because a lot of people are selling their firms. They can't manage it. There's this old generation I feel like there's some statistic out there like 65% of all CPAs are going to retire in the next 10 to 15 years, which is wild. I think it's 75%. Yeah, it probably is. Okay. Because most people who are coming to us, I'm sure you see the same thing, Bilal. It's like people are saying like, hey, my accountant, they died or they're just not answering. They're not using technology. There's all these different factors and it is because this old generation. So we can look at this in two different ways. This is horrible and I don't want to go into this industry or, hey, there's nothing but opportunity in our industry right now. And yeah, there are hurdles with technology and with pay and with hours. But I think you posted something maybe yesterday or in the last couple of days, do your time, do your time in public accounting, and then the doors are wide open for you. And that doesn't mean you have to work 80 hours a week for three years straight. But like in my instance, I did not work at Big Four. I worked at a small public accounting firm for almost 10 years and I never left. I almost left a couple different times, but I never did. But my small firm experience gave me, I wouldn't have my practice right now. I wouldn't know what to do. It gave me so much experience, actually. And I would argue to say better than big four experience because I wasn't pigeonholed into Mm -hmm. one area. I worked on hundreds of companies from everything from bookkeeping to tax to pension administration to payroll, which people don't get when they are, let's say, at a big four and they're just hacking away counting inventory or whatever they do there. But to me, I feel like what you're doing is such a service to the industry in general, because if you are going to go promote this book, hey, I think you should go. I'm always saying we need to talk to the high schools. We need to talk to colleges and we need to let them know that you don't even have to be a CPA. I mean, you can get other certifications and Obviously, there's another conversation about changing the requirements for the CPA license, but you need to go out there and tell people that you need to enter the industry. This isn't just for me. This is for my staffing in the future. This is for everybody that I want to say thank you for going out there and making accounting look fun. You touched on so many good things. And you're right. I think the hit pieces, you, you mentioned the Wall Street Journal, but even the Yahoo Finance article too. So many hit pieces. And if you were to go a year back, like you're not going to find me on social media or saying anything about the accounting profession. But it wasn't until I got tired of reading those articles because it portrays this reality that you guys don't see. I don't see it that way. But not that many people are out there correcting it, right? Is there boring work or are there people grinding 80 hours all the time? Yes. But that's not the whole profession. If you were a college student or even a high school student without any changes in the way we're approaching that, 
that's what you're going to see. That's what you're going to hear. And you're going to think that's the only thing. Even you mentioned like the big four, there's this whole myth of like big four or bust, right? And listen to your story, right? Like you don't hear those stories that often. It's a shame. So I'm glad you're sharing those things. So thank you guys for putting together the podcast too, because you've had a lot of great guests and, and they're all sharing these unique perspectives, but you're absolutely right on the opportunities. If that 65, 75% of people or partners are retiring or the old guard are retiring, that's only opening doors for the younger staff. So I'm a millennial. It's a great time to be either a Gen Z millennial in the accounting profession. I read another article that I think the most recent partner class is five years younger than it was a few years ago. So I think it was like 33, which is pretty young to be making partner. Yeah, that's on the low end of the spectrum, but still that's pretty low. And it doesn't shock me because you probably need to pay these people to keep them and make sure you recognize them with the partner title, because I think sort of the carrot that's dangled in front of everyone when they start as an intern or associate, oh, one day I'll make partner. But it's a long journey to get there. And you mentioned a decade, but a lot of people aren't doing a decade. So you almost have to say, look, it's within grasp, right? So there's a lot of ways to really capitalize on that peak level of, I guess, what the accounting profession can offer. A lot of people think partner and it's happening even quicker now. That's an opportunity. People aren't really talking about, but you have a built-in entrepreneurial ability to go start your own firm. Not that many fields of study have that built in and accounting does. And, and that's exactly what you're doing. So that's an opportunity that, that doesn't get discussed. And now we're talking about it. And then on the industry side, a lot of people leave public and they go to industry. They don't necessarily want to start their own firm, but you don't hear about the industry side once they get there. So that's the other reason why I'm sharing. And I can definitely tell you the 80 hour weeks isn't something I'm doing. The boring work is not something that is true in my day to day and things like that. So a lot of people talk about it's not creative. It's not tech forward. I think if you really want to go the opposite direction and have that forward thinking, tech driven, exciting work, exciting company, high pay, surrounded by creative people. It exists. It's just not that many people are talking about it. I'm happy to jump in and talk about it. I think it is a corner of the profession that that isn't shared. And who knows, maybe doing a, a podcast or two like this one motivates some people to say, you know what? It's not just what I read on the Reddit thread about how bad it is or the Wall Street Journal hit piece. There's other people out there that are actually doing some pretty, pretty cool stuff. I hope that others are motivated by that, but then also join the cause and start talking about it. To add to Kelly's point and your point, the opportunities for accountants right now, it's so crazy. You can start your own firm, work at industry, work at public accounting, and in every angle, you can make money. But you did that. You went from public to industry and you found your dream job. But now you have time to do other things. You're doing the book. You help other accountants find the dream jobs. Are you doing anything else beside that? You mentioned that you have a course. What's the course about? What's your intention with the course? How will accounts benefit from your course? Yeah, thanks for giving me a chance to talk about it. Doing a few other things outside of the course, more traditional route, looking for passive income. So at one point I was juggling four rental properties. I'm down to two rentals now, but that's a nice passive income source on top of the salary and then on top of any little other side hustle stuff I have. Going on, I don't want to put my eggs in one basket. I think diversification 
is like a way of like, not necessarily just how you treat an investment strategy kind of thing. But yeah, on the course, I put that out there. It's called Sketchy Business Practices, and it's all about sketching out your team's ideas on a digital whiteboard as a way to really thrive in this new work environment that's been disrupted by AI and hybrid work. And the value proposition there is AI is good, really good, almost too good. I think it leaves a lot of us thinking how we stay relevant. And I think the secret is, hey, we need to upskill ourselves and we need to upskill ourselves to do what AI can't do and to excel where AI struggles. And the whole course is all about being a leader at virtual collaboration because there's a lot of uniquely human skill sets packaged into that. Not just collaboration, but also soft skills, creativity, multifaceted critical thinking, leadership. Those are things that AI is not going to replace anytime soon. So the course is centered around that. Is this more for like the industry accountant or public accountant? Or can a person that has his own firm use your course and benefit from for their clients? Who's your target market? I would say business professionals in general. I mostly am talking with accountants and I would imagine you guys talk with a lot of accountants. You probably never see them whip up a whiteboard and start sketching out the team's ideas and what's being discussed at a brainstorm session. You're probably going to see them pull up some boring slide with too many words on it and blocks of text. That's something that everyone else is doing. Like I said earlier, I like to push the competitive edge kind of thing. This is where I feel like people aren't really looking at this, but it's one of the best collaboration tools that is underappreciated, underrated, and underutilized, and nobody's using it. And it's one of the best tools. There's a lot of research backed into it, but the other side of it isn't just the AI side, it's the hybrid work side. It's true, the collaboration and results you get from it in a virtual environment are still falling short of what you would get in an office collaboration setting. And execs are answering that with sending people back to the office. And I think there's another way of doing that, which is why don't you just train your people to be good at this stuff? And I don't know about you guys, but in my experience, the managers and team leaders that are leading these remote work sessions, they weren't promoted because they're good people managers or they're good at leadership. They're promoted because they're good at their job. That has mm -hmm. nothing to do with being able to foster team culture or lead a collaboration session in the office or virtually. So we're really not trained. And I'm putting that out there now, one, because it's doing what AI isn't doing, but two, it solves the big pain point with hybrid work. And I think that's a competitive edge that accountants can use, but really most business professionals, the only people using it are those in the design field and product managers and things like that. Interesting. I agree with you on the remote job. It is difficult to manage with the team to grow with the team that you have, there's a disconnection. And I think it, there's no training on this currently with people and groups. Yeah, I would say I'm definitely going to look into your course because I do have a remote team. And that's a pain point that I see myself in how can I have my team similar to where it's an in-person team. Like you bridge the gap basically. And there's nothing out there right now that kind of teaches me how to do those things. Oh, there's not a, just one other thing. Like we're talking about opportunities. It's a level playing field. Execs don't know how to do that stuff. The boomer generation doesn't know how to do any of this stuff. We're all level playing field. So if anybody can appreciate a first mover advantage, 
if you're a Gen Z or millennial and you're tech forward and you, you're okay at doing something a new way, like this is the time to do it. Yeah. Before we even started the call, Mike and I were talking about dropping our kids off at school, that the babysitter, the daycare. I think the answer is not to just completely go back into the office. I think that our generation also values this flexibility and the balance in our lives. And the big takeaway, I think, from our conversation is to be able to leverage technology, to be able to make this work culture better, whether you're in private or you're in public accounting, we can do it all. We can have a virtual space. We can have a hybrid space. And I think the end goal is to make money, right? That's like one of the main goals, but also to be happy while we're doing it. And I think the dream job is available to all of us. Thanks so much for sharing that. If anybody's listening out there who has the me. <laughs> AICPA, maybe some state societies or whatever we have to do. We need to lobby and spend some money on inspiring this next generation for entry because, listen, we're not going anywhere. AI is not taking over our jobs. But of course, again, we can leverage all of this technology to make our jobs better. But at the end of the day, there's still quality control, checks and balances. We all know QuickBooks can't work itself. And we have job security for the long run. Please, let's continue to spread this word. Good message. Good message. Just to kind of tie things up, do you have like your greatest tip or maybe just share what people can take away from your book for those out there that are still looking for their dream job? I, you know, one thing I think a lot of people hear this phrase dream job, but if you ask people, they actually don't know what their dream job is. We talk a lot about owning your career. That's step one. Define your dream. What do you really want? Is it the flexibility? Is it the pay? Is it the title and prestige? So one tip would just be as early in your career as you can get real with yourself. What is it that you want out of your career? Define your dream, right? And then you just take it one step further from there. And then step by step, it'll turn into something. Start with the dream, write it down. It becomes a goal. Break that goal into steps and it becomes a plan. Put action behind that plan and it becomes a reality. But a lot of people don't ever get that ball rolling and it just doesn't work. So I'd say own your career is almost becoming a buzz phrase. But I think if you want to really double click into what that means, start with just defining what your dream is and don't be afraid to take a risk. Because there are opportunities out there, but you can't just sit at home complaining about it. Like you got to know what you want and at least try to go out and get it. So that's one tip. Bilal, were you about to jump in? Yeah, as accountants, we break things down by numbers, right? And and that's why right now it's a good time to be an accountant because the pay is higher right now than ever before. If we compare it to any other industry, if you compare it to medical industry, for example, let's just do the numbers if you go become a doctor, physician, like the dentist, you have to do four years undergrad, four years medical degree, and then two years as a, um, what do they call them? Two years working at the hospital. So it's about 10 years of eating tuna every day, right? And then they graduate making about two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year. And I say, as an accountant, you graduate, they're paying you sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year. 
in three years, you're making easy $100,000. And then you jump to industry, you're making another 20, 30% right away. And I would say there's money to be made. A dentist graduate with $500,000, $600,000 of dental loan, okay? And they're making $100,000 a year, $120,000, $130,000 a year. Being an accountant is not a bad, it's not a bad job. It's actually a good job. And now the opportunity is for you to do other things on the side, right? You can do rental business. Just you understand the numbers, right? Because you, you don't have to, if you're a software engineer or, or, or a doctor, trust me, I have a lot of that clients, the, uh, medical clients. They don't know their numbers. Like they will invest in something in real estate or, or and, and they don't know what, what, what cash flow means and all these different things. And but you are getting paid as you learn the business, you learn the nuances of the business. You're making six figures right away in two, three years' time. There's opportunities for you to do land your dream jobs. Uh, you can do the the courses that because you can do a book, like the, all the different things you can do on the side, and and make it four hundred grand a year, three hundred grand a year eventually with the different side hustles you're trying to do, and so it's not. Like a job you're stuck at making seventy thousand a year. You eventually, within a few years, you're making six figures and mid three two two three hundred thousand dollars a year. It's not hard. It's not far away from where, where, where when you graduated. So I would say, overall, it's a great job, and you're learning the business language, and you're learning something that most people don't understand. Yeah. And most people want to make money, and you understand that language right away. It's Especially now with a lot of people, you can do different things with being remote, you can do rental, you can do e-commerce, you can do and still be an accountant. I think that's something that, you, that is unique for us. For sure. Definitely. I think you had mentioned at the beginning of this episode where people can find you. You have a website, MikeFromAccounting.com. Connect with Mike on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode and, you know, look forward to speaking to you in the future. This has been a blast. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Kelly. Hello. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of From Zero to Millions Accounting Edition. Before we sign off, remember to share this episode with fellow accounting professionals. Building the firm of your dreams is a journey best taken together. And by sharing, you're helping others on their path to success.